Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Got a number of updates from March Madness to get into, so let's not waste any time here. It's been quite a wild tournament, to say the least. Uh, talking about this, uh, obviously it's Sunday night, so you guys will be hearing this uh, for Monday. But uh, a lot to go through, and the story of the tournament thus far is Oral Roberts, the 15th seed. Uh, pulling off another upset victory, this time over Florida, who kind of gave the game away, to be honest. I, I just don't understand what some of the possessions Florida did down the stretch uh, tonight. But uh, Oral Roberts, uh, after beating Ohio State in overtime, uh, 75-72, uh, gets the victory over Florida, 81-78. to And, you know, I, I got to say that... Uh, you know, you learn certain things in this tournament, and I got some things right, but I, again, just did not see the South being this volatile in the region. So, you know, usually you get one really volatile region. This year, basically, everything's on the board. So uh, I did say expect high variance in the, in the tournament uh, in terms of some of these performances. But, uh, yeah, we really did uh, see uh, 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 variants in the highest order because we've got multiple double-digit seeds uh, going through. Uh, overall, uh, you know, I, I just kind of look at it and say that, uh, you know, realistically, if Iowa uh, doesn't take care of business, you know, we could be in a situation where uh, we could see uh, – I mean, and, and you know, uh, I I kind of look at this again. It's it's one of those uh, it's it's one of those things where we could see Iowa and Gonzaga go out today. So uh, it's it's not even uh, saying that we're out of the woods yet. We're still in uh, we're still in the round of thirty two, but uh, you know, we've lost I uh, Ohio State. We lost Purdue. You know to uh, some of the most uh, uh, favored teams to make the Final Four, in my opinion. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, very interesting uh, results in the South region. I, I will say that, uh, you know, obviously we have the Oral Roberts story. We had Texas Tech, you know, again, another team that kind of shot itself in the foot. I, I look at that game and I'm saying, 
Arkansas survived, but Arkansas did not look that sharp yesterday. That was a game to get upset by, but, you know, they managed to pull through. We'll see how the Razorbacks uh, line up against Oral Roberts in the South region because, you know, that matchup should be favoring Arkansas. But we've seen the guard penetration uh, from Oral Roberts, and, you know, that could give Arkansas some trouble. I, you know, it's very hard to uh, write some, uh, some of this off at, at this stage because of some of the results we've seen, especially with this being on a neutral court. So this is this is going to be interesting. If Max Abramas uh, can get the penetration into the uh, paint that we've seen in the first two games of the tournament, thus far, they've got a shot. They really do have a shot of uh, getting the job done. So I'm very curious as to how this game plays out because there very well could be another upset here in the not uh, too distant future as we go into uh, later on uh, uh, over the weekend uh, because the next uh, the Sweet 16 uh, for the South region. Uh, kicks off on Saturday. So, you know, this could get very interesting quickly uh, uh, for that South region. You know, Baylor obviously is still in the mix here. Uh, they get a matchup against Villanova. You know, I wasn't big on Villanova this year, mainly because of the backcourt situation, but not having to play Purdue. And again, that North Texas game, I, I just got to shake my head and, and try to figure out what did I miss <laughs> other than variants? Uh, you know, that matchup against North Texas should have been in Purdue's wheelhouse. And, you know, they lost. They lost an OT. And, you know, there's not much else you can say about it. They had a bad game. Uh, but, uh, you know, by not having to play Purdue, Villanova was able to take advantage of North Texas uh, and and kind of use their ball handling to kind of uh, put that game away early. Um, but Purdue against Baylor, Interesting matchup. I do like Baylor uh, to win, though. I, but I know folks are going to be siding with Villanova. Uh, Jay Wright knows how to get that team ready. And we've seen Baylor choke in these types of spots b- before. The problem I see with uh, Villanova is the fact that you can basically... Uh, get to them with size and you know I I I you know Villanova isn't in a run it up and down team. You know, Baylor is gonna want to push the pace there. I'm very curious about who's gonna be able to dictate the pace of the game because if Baylor can get that into a more transition game, I think that it's a comfortable win for Baylor. Now if Louisville even though they don't have Colin Gillespie, if they can dictate exactly how uh, the matchup goes, that's when this is going to get interesting uh, from uh, a, just uh, from a scoring standpoint, because, you know, you can see, I mean, I could see an upset with, it would not be the craziest thing if uh, Louisville beats Baylor. It it really wouldn't. Given what we've seen in this tournament thus far, it's not the craziest thing in the world. I just can't get behind that thought process. Just looking at the uh, the matchup 
in general. It, it just really is one of those uh, cases where I can I can look at it and say that uh, you know overall this should be a favorable matchup uh, against uh, against Villanova. You know that's just the way I'm looking at it. It it, it just should be in their wheelhouse and you know we'll we'll take it from there but uh you know uh i just i i see a far slimmer path to victory for nova compared to some of these other teams i i can even see a pathway for Oral roberts more than villanova if we're comparing uh the sweet 16 matchups against each other uh going over to the midwest region where i expected the chaos to be in but I, I missed one of the teams, uh, you know. And truth be told, I, I should have at least done one. Ma- the I did talk about this before. But the reason why I didn't do Syracuse bracket is that Syracuse always gets a popular pick bracket because of the name recognition, and you just don't get as much expected value out of those sort of picks unless you're doing multiple picks and you're doing a large larger pool so when you're having a more condensed pool which is kind of the case a lot of places this year because you're not in bars uh, playing uh large bracket pools inside a uh, inside of a bar that has like hundreds of, of customers or even a thousand customers playing an ncaa pool you don't really need to go into that level of extrapolation of uh picking out more dark horse teams but the secu- the Syracuse run basically has been marked by they've been able to execute the two three zone and their opponents have not been able to shoot the ball well from range. Uh, San Diego State could not buy an outside shot to save their lives. West Virginia lost their shot at multiple points during the game and only got back into the game against Syracuse by ramping up the defensive pressure on Syracuse, causing turnovers and getting transition buckets that way to generate offense. But outside of that, Syracuse has not dealt with a team that shot uh, shot uh, from range all that effectively in the tournament thus far. So uh, Buddy Beheim was able to uh, kind of get his points uh, from beyond the arc, and it kind of worked out for Syracuse that, you know, realistically, um, they w- were able to match up. Now, I will say... Uh, you know, because uh, I know some of you are going to be like, but West Virginia shot uh, 42% from three-point range. Here's the thing. The three-point shots that were falling for West Virginia came from two guys. It was McNeil and McBride. Everyone else that shot for West Virginia was not hitting from range. So, you know, it was just basically Syracuse uh, trying to get the rotations over to make sure that McNeil and McBride didn't go crazy. Uh, McBride only had 11 points, I think. It was either 10 or 11 points. He only hit a couple threes. It was McNeil that was killing him uh, from range. But again, you can live with that if Matthews isn't dominating in the paint, which is what happened. Like, Matthews ha- had a rough game. Uh, I I think he w- uh, was held under 20 points. It, you know, uh, it, it was just not a great game for West Virginia overall and West Virginia need uh, needs Emmett Matthews to put up points. Uh, uh, 
sometimes on the interior because when you're playing against Syracuse and they're playing the zone, you need your post players to be able to score once that ball gets thrown back on the inside of the paint and punish Syracuse on the interior. And, you know, West Virginia just did not have a great showing uh, in that regard. So it, it was a, a little bit flat, to uh, to be honest. So that's why Syracuse was able to get up by double digits at multiple points in the game and kind of seal that one away. So Syracuse uh, moves on as the 11th seed. Were they an 11th seed? No, they should have been either a 12 or 13 seed or even a 14 seed. But the NCAA has their own selection criteria for the Power Five conferences that they shield these guys uh, with some of these picks. Now, uh, should do I think they? You're going to say, yeah, but they beat West Virginia, who was a three seed, so would have made a difference if they were seeded 14th. No, but here's the thing: you have a much tougher road in certain matchups if you you're seated properly. Now, on the flip side. You had you forced Loyola Chicago to have to go play as an eight seed against Illinois, and in the matchup of the day, Loyola Chicago took care of business against Illinois. It wasn't the fact that Loyola Chicago won the game that surprised me. It was the fact that they won as convincingly as they did over Illinois. You know, watching that game, at no point did I think Illinois was going to come back and win that game. Loyola Chicago was firmly in control of that game for vast stretches, and at no point did I think Illinois was making a comeback. That's what was so impressive about it. I know how good Illinois is, and Loyola Chicago took them out of their element completely and basically played a very methodical style where I looked at it and I kept looking at the clock saying to myself in the second half, saying, I don't see where Illinois is going to get back into this one unless Loyola Chicago cannot hit any baskets down the stretch. Because Loyola Chicago was getting high percentage looks and running their offense efficiently uh, through Ka- uh, Cameron Crutwig in the middle, and he was uh, being able to uh, get get his points in the paint too. So with that going down, it just limited the uh, opportunities for uh, Illinois to even find a way back into that game. That that was the that was the difficulty. You know, when you look at that game, it was like you realize Illinois kind of got a little bit shafted. Like Loyola Chicago should not have been an eight seed. I said this before, uh, you know, the misseeding in these regions kind of screws up certain teams because of the matchups uh, you end up facing in, you know, I just look at it saying it's not a, it's not, it's not a, 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 it wasn't a good look uh, for Illinois to go out this early, but, it was a bad matchup, uh, and Loyola Chicago uh, was the better team that day. That's just the bottom line of, of what you can say about it. But their matchup in the Sweet 16 is equally shocking. I'll be honest. I watched some Pac-12 basketball, and the uh, portions of the season that I did watch, Oregon State was nowhere even remotely in the postseason picture from my recollection. Uh, they came on strong late in the, t- in the season, and then – had a tremendous run in the Pac-12 tournament, which was the only way to make the NCAA tournament, given where they kind of finished this year. And they've just continued that momentum. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, it really is one of those uh, Cinderella kind of stories, because, again, it, 
I'm looking at uh, <laughs> Oregon State. I'm I've got to scratch my head because realistically, the, they came out of nowhere. Really, uh, they just were not remotely in any kind of discussion about a postseason play. So for me, kind of talking about Oregon State, I'm I'm just kind of befuddled uh, to be honest. They were picked last. They were picked to finish last in the preseason polls for the Pac-12. So it's it, again. It's a credit to uh, Coach Wayne Tinkle and his uh, players, uh, uh, Ethan Thomas. Uh, you know they, they've played very hard, and you know I've won convincingly. You know uh, they shut down Tennessee offensively. I told you I did not like Cade Cunningham uh, and o- Oklahoma State. I-, I was pretty upfront with that uh as my calling card so i'm not surprised that oklahoma state lost but what surprised me is the fact that oregon state put up 80 points i i i really did not see that kind of of uh, production coming that's what's catching me off guard is that okay if oregon state can uh, uh, can score at this clip then we're gonna have to talk about this uh, a little bit differently in terms of uh somebody seems to look out for because I, I didn't see, I really didn't see uh, this kind of offense uh, coming out. But, you know, Oregon State shot 32 of 35 from free throw range yesterday. I'm going to say that again. They shot 32 of 35 from free throw range. Ethan Thompson got into the paint, drew fouls, and was 15 of 16 from the line. Ethan Thomas was 15 of 16 from the free throw line and free throws have been a huge portion of teams making it into the sweet 16 or just getting bounced early. Free throw shooting still matters in college sports. Thank goodness. But you know, Oregon state not taking a ton of shots from the perimeter. They are pounding the ball into the paint. And getting buckets like this is going to be a really interesting matchup against Loyola Chicago because they are also going to be high uh, efficiency type of plays. They're not forcing the issue, uh, chucking up shots. And that's why I'm looking at this uh, matchup and saying to myself, this should be a very interesting matchup. Because if you look at the game yesterday, Loyola Chicago only took 10 three point attempts. They, they they shot 40%, but they only took 10 three-pointers. They are not going to shoot at a high... Uh, they're not going to shoot a high volume from three-point range. They're going to make their points in the paint, and that's why this matchup against Oregon State is very interesting because you got two teams with similar styles that are going to go up, and you know, you're going to get a double-digit seed into the Elite Eight. I mean, you're going to get a uh, an 8 or 12 seed into the Elite Eight that, you know, many people weren't looking at, except, you know, guys like me who were saying, expect some variance in this tournament this year. I thought it was going to be Loyola Chicago, but Oregon State can definitely win this game. Uh, uh, with their play style right now, if they can shoot at that high of a clip from uh, the free throw line, they absolutely can knock off uh, Loyola Chicago. Because if you're getting to the line that often, that means you're drawing fouls and my question with Loyola Chicago against some of these uh, bigger clubs is how far does their roster depth goes if Cameron Kretwig uh, gets into foul trouble? I'm very curious about it. 
Because the way Loyola Chicago was able to manage in their uh, run uh, run uh, two years ago was the fact that they had guys making contributions off the bench and still being a, uh, able to be uh, productive. So I'm very curious about this matchup against uh, Oregon State on Saturday afternoon because that is going to be a I, – I think, again, between both of these clubs, I think you're going to get feud in – uh, I mean, because they they're both gonna want to uh, dictate their style of offense. I think both of these clubs, if you look at it combined, you're gonna get fewer than twenty five uh, three point attempts, uh, in the game. I think this is gonna be played in between uh, in between the uh, ten to eighteen foot range. Uh, you know, I know the basketball analytics guys are gonna hate that, but I think that's where this game is gonna be played, and I'm looking forward to it. So, I talked about Syracuse. They're going up against Houston, who barely survived an upset bid from Rutgers last night. Uh, they held on to win 63-60, but there, there was a very real chance Rutgers was going to be able to pull that one out. Um, but here's what uh, the matchup against Houston kind of comes down to if you're Syracuse. Hope that you can, uh, you can uh, keep uh, Houston off the boards. And avoid uh, avoid uh, getting into a cold streak uh, shooting because Houston's one of the best defensive teams in the country. So if Syracuse gets into one of their lulls where they can't hit shots on from the outside, this one could get ugly. And I'm just saying, you know, would it shock me if Syracuse found a way of keeping this one closer, maybe even pulling out a victory? No. But am I saying that there's a very real chance that Syracuse gets blown out by Houston? Yes. I definitely think there's a pathway where Houston, uh, you know, they got their scare against Rutgers. They rallied from being down 10. They have a, an excellent defense. They can pressure, turn Syracuse over. And they're a very good defensive rebounding team. Uh, you know, Syracuse is, if Syracuse gets into a, a shooting slump, they're not going to be able to get themselves back into this game uh, very easily. So I look at this and say this should be Houston's game to lose, and it should be their region to lose at this stage because, you know, outside of Loyal Chicago, I'm not necessarily seeing a team that's going to necessarily give them run for their money. Now, Oregon State, if they beat Loyal Chicago, could Oregon State do it? Yeah, if they keep shooting from the free throw line and getting inside the paint the way they are, yeah, th- th- this could be trouble. But, you know, this is a very, very uh, uh, interesting region, to say the least, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's basically Houston's to lose at this stage, given the talent they have compared to the other three squads remaining. They should be able to take care of business, but, you know, Easier said than done, as we've seen thus far in the tournament. All right, moving over, uh, we're going to talk about the East region, which is still up for grabs, as well as uh, the West. So, you know, in today's matchups, you had, uh, uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, Michigan uh, playing in primetime. They've got a matchup against LSU that they could very well lose. You know, I said this before, I'm very concerned about Michigan, given 
the fact that they had so late in the year to kind of adjust to not having Isaiah Livers in the matchup, but you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to manage not having livers in the lineup. So my, my thing is if there was a player, uh, a player that could knock off the Wolverines, it's probably Cameron Thomas because he can shoot it from the outside and definitely cause some trouble on the perimeter for Michigan. And because Livers was such an important guy on the wing, you know, that's where I think you're going to see some issues for Michigan. Uh, They weren't tested in the first round, but they should get a test tonight from LSU. If they can, if they can survive and, and have a solid win over LSU, I feel a lot more confident about Michigan's chances moving forward uh, in the tournament, uh, to be sure. Next up, Colorado and or- uh, F- uh, Colorado versus Florida State. Uh, you know, very interesting. I could see uh, Florida State winning this one pretty comfortably. But, again, this all depends on if Florida State can score efficiently. And what we've seen from the ACC schools thus far, uh, particularly highlighted by Virginia, they have not shot the ball well in this tournament. So I am very concerned about Florida State because, you know, Syracuse got on a hot streak, but the other ACC schools have not fared very favorably uh, from a shooting standpoint. And Florida State was not that convincing against UNC Greensboro. So I'm I'm looking at this Colorado matchup and kind of wondering if I, you know, I, I kind of picked this more of, of a 50... 50-50 split in brackets, but, you know, looking at it, you know, if I was looking at this from the prism of the regular season, I would definitely take Florida State. In the postseason, you know, given what we've seen from the ACC schools, I'm kind of leaning towards Colorado now, but uh, it should be an interesting one, to say the least. Then the Dark Horse versus Dark Horse matchup, UCLA, it just keeps on putting up points. Uh, against Abilene Christian. Okay, so let's just talk about things that I got wrong, and I'm still scratching my head over this one. Uh, Texas, even though they held Abilene Christian to under 35% shooting, still managed to lose to Abilene Christian 53-52. Now, some people are questioning the foul call at the very end there that allowed Abilene Christian to shoot two free throws, but a, the guy at the line was a 53% free throw shooter. Sometimes, and he hit both free throws. Sometimes it's just not your day. But Texas turned the ball over 22 times, which they hadn't done ever under Shaka Smart. Uh, you know, it's just one of those bizarre games where you're just scratching your head trying to figure out what is going on because Texas did basically everything poorly and still had a chance to win that game. And and couldn't do it at the very end. I expect UCLA to be able to take advantage of the opportunity here. You know, it's just uh, Johnny Juzang uh, has gotten hot the first two games of the tournament. 
I mean, he's been averaging 26 points a game, I, I believe is correct. Uh, you know, well above his season average, but Juzang, uh, uh, for those of you who remember, was on Kentucky uh, before transferring over to UCLA. You know, had a solid year, but uh, has really shown up in his tournament. You know, people expected this kind of run out of Michigan State. UCLA is taking advantage of it. You know, I got to think that the run continues for UCLA because realistically, uh, this would have been an awful matchup against uh, University of Texas. Instead, they get Abilene Christian. I just, I don't see the Cinderella story continuing, but I've definitely been wrong uh, my fair share in this tournament. But, uh, you know, that's just the way I'm looking at it. Uh, Maryland versus Alabama. Man, UConn was the biggest clunker of the weekend for me as badly as Texas played the uh, Ohio state getting knocked off as long as well as Purdue to me, the biggest clunker was Yukon man. They were not even remotely in that game against Maryland. They lost by 11, but it felt like 20 at no point. Did you even think Yukon was in the game? And James boot Knight was not even a factor to, uh, to be, honest with you uh in in most of that game so i definitely uh got caught off guard with that one because i didn't see it i I really did not see uconn struggling as badly as they did uh but you know you gotta give credit uh words due to maryland uh so i i kind of look at it and say uh if eric ayala can have a repeat performance of uh what he did saturday night then, you know, realistically, this should be an, uh, a potential upset bid here by Maryland uh, because Alabama, they got, they took care of business eventually against Iona, but they did show uh, some of their holes uh, where, you know, if the threes aren't falling, they can be, they can be had. Uh, you know they got hot later on uh from the uh from the three point line but their emphasis on you know three or nothing basically uh you know we we talked about it w- where you know uh, they kind of uh, they shot 13 of 23 from uh from the three point line uh but most of those uh, most of that damage started coming in the second half uh i uh, n- n- actually it wasn't even the uh that was their free throw shooting. The three point shooting is where uh, I, I knew that stat was off. Um, the three point shooting is uh, is what caught me off guard because the Alabama was being held uh, uh, well off their averages. So they only had sixteen three point attempts, but they only hit five three pointers on Saturday. They were having a tough time against Iona, uh, who uh, you know Patino had them ready. They chased them off the three point line. It's just that Iona couldn't hit any shots. Uh, I think against a stiffer competition, you know, Bama can be had. You know, it's not as though Maryland had a good season at all uh, this year. Uh, They were pretty middling in the Big Ten, but, you know, Big Ten was, (laughs) like, as I said, was the best conference in college basketball this year. So I will give Maryland a pass. But if they shoot uh, uh, at the same rate they did on Saturday night, they can upset Alabama. Uh, that would not shock me. Uh, 
but uh, I'm very much uh, interested in that one because Alabama definitely looked vulnerable uh, on Saturday. So we'll see. We'll see how it uh, it plays out uh, uh, on Monday night because uh, I think that's the. L- I think that's the late game Monday night is uh, uh, Alabama, Maryland. So uh, you're going to have to stay up for that one. But, uh, you know, East, very much in question. The West, you know, I have fewer question marks, but, you know, let's talk about what happened. Uh, Gonzaga is playing against Oklahoma. No real surprise there. Uh, Gonzaga's efficiency should win out. Uh, on the day, though, in, in this matchup. Uh, so I, I'd be looking for the Zags to move on. Uh, Creighton should have lost to U- UC Santa Barbara. They should have lost that game. They got lucky, and, uh, you know, even the last def- uh, last second layup from UC Santa Barbara rimmed out. Uh, but realistically, if you're watching that game down the stretch, uh, Creighton got a lot of lucky breaks uh, in their favor. But, hey, sometimes it's survive in advance. Uh, meanwhile, they get a gift matchup against uh, Ohio. You know, Virginia, we talked about this before. Virginia had to get tested even to be clear to play this game. They didn't practice. They didn't They didn't look ready. And it showed because, A, Virginia is always going to be keeping teams closer in games because their pace of play is so painfully slow. They're almost always dead last in Ken Palm's rankings for offensive pace. Like Virginia is painfully slow with possession. So if they get into a bad situation where they're not scoring because of their pace of play being so, so slow, so slow, they can keep teams in games that normally have no business being in a game. And that that's just the bottom line. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, their efficiency, uh, Virginia is still up there. But defensively, they did show some signs of weakness this year, and it showed in the game against Ohio because they gave up some baskets where you're just kind of looking at it saying, if you're going to play that slow, you can't give up uh, cheap buckets the way that they did. And that's what eventually cost the Virginia is the fact that Ohio got some easy buckets. Uh, you know, they shot over 40%, which is unVirginia like. If Virginia, uh, when Virginia's playing well, they're holding you under 35% shooting. And uh, uh, Ohio's still managed to shoot 30% from uh, three point range. And Virginia didn't get to the foul line because they were hanging out around the perimeter. It, you know, just a lot of bad things went against uh, Virginia overall. And you could see the lack of practice uh, uh, showing up in them not playing sharp at all. But, you know, excuses are excuses. Uh, Ohio got the win. But Creighton, you know, if they tighten up uh, the mistakes they made against UC Santa Barbara, this should be a more straightforward matchup for them to win. But we've seen bad Creighton show up before. And it wouldn't be a surprise if Creighton dropped this game as well. So again, if we're if we're gonna get another Cinderella story, uh, my pick would be Ohio over Creighton because of Creighton's issues this year with not taking care of business. I could I could see Creighton finding a way to drop this game. Uh, 
matchup I'm very much interested in. Uh, USC versus Kansas. Kansas should have uh, more bodies available for the game tomorrow night. I'm curious, though, because Kansas was giving up a lot of easy buckets to Eastern Washington. A lot of buckets. If they do that against USC, USC is going to knock them off. I'm just flat out saying it. If Kansas can't get the defense tightened up more, they're going to lose the USC. So I'm very curious to see if Kansas uh, uh, gets into a little bit better flow because they had some issues uh, with uh, actually being able to uh, be able to practice with full complement of players and kind of going through the regiment. Uh, so curious to see what, uh, which Kansas team shows up, but uh, uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye out for. And then uh, we've got uh, an early game matchup between Iowa and Oregon uh, Monday afternoon uh, at noon. Uh, I'm curious to see Oregon because they didn't get to play at all Saturday because VCU, and we talked about this before, you know, if your team for some reason fails protocol, you're out and there are no replacements coming uh, ahead of time. Once the tournament actually began. Uh, So VCU had a positive test. They forfeited their game against Oregon and Oregon automatically advanced uh, to the next round. So they didn't play at all and they're going up against Iowa. So since we don't actually know what Oregon is shaping up to be, it's a little harder to kind of give them, the edge uh, for an upset bid because they didn't get to play. So by not getting to play and getting the opening round jitters out of the way, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit helter skelter, but it kind of fits in with a lot of what's happened to Oregon this year anyway, because uh, you know, they have missed players throughout the regular season. So, uh, they really haven't played together all that much as a full collective unit anyway. You know, uh, so LJ Figueroa, Will Richardson, Eric Williams, they are a bound squad. Now, I've said before, I don't like the fact that Iowa necessarily plays, all, I'd say pretty much 95% of their offense through Luca Garza because I always feel that, you know, with teams that are built around one player, all it takes is one game where you got a ref with a tight whistle, you pick up two early fouls, and then you're kind of SOL for a first half and trying to survive. I feel Iowa is susceptible to that at some point in the tournament. You know, it could be today against uh, Oregon, but not knowing what Oregon is going to look like this tournament, uh, you know, Iowa may get by with that, but uh, it's definitely uh, a matchup to kind of keep your eye out for because uh, you know there uh, there is uh, there is some concern that uh, you could see Iowa drop uh, drop a game uh, that uh, would catch people off guard yet again in this tournament. But uh, given what we've seen thus far already, you really shouldn't be surprised by anything that comes out in terms of an upset in this tournament. So uh, you know. That's uh, that's the breakdown of uh, the tournament thus far. Uh, we're going to see how the Sweet 16 uh, pairs up at this point, but uh, uh, very interested to see how the, uh, these matchups go. But my picks for today would be Gonzaga over Oklahoma. I'm taking 
I'm going to actually go with the upset here. I'm going to take USC over Kansas just because I, I did not like how Kansas looked so, uh, uh, so rusty in the opening round. Maybe Kansas, uh, uh makes me look bad and actually comes back with a solid performance, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit on the fence there. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Creighton over Ohio. I'll take, I'll take uh, Iowa over Oregon. We'll do LSU over Michigan. Colorado over Florida State. And, uh, oh, yeah, we got, uh, we also have, uh, we talked about this before, but I expect uh, UCLA to take care of Abilene Christian. And we'll, uh, we'll also, uh, we'll take, uh, we'll take uh, Alabama over Maryland, but uh, definitely need to see more out of out of uh, uh, the Crimson Tide. Um, may, maybe it was the Charles Barkley uh, reverse jinx where he actually said "Roll Tide" is what contributed to them playing as poorly as they did. But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Charles Barkley being an Auburn guy saying "Roll Tide" is literally about as blasphemous as it gets. But uh, you know, Charles is having fun, uh, and you know we should all be having as much as fun as uh, the guys calling it and covering these games. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But uh, enjoy the games, everyone, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.